0: This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. My guest today is Magdalena Beck. She is a university professor of consumer behavior at Seberg Castle University in Austria and a researcher at the University of Cologne in Germany. In her research, she focuses on digital transformation and marketing, such as gamification and sustainability in consumer behavior. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure being here on your podcast. Gamification is a hot topic with marketers and with vendors who serve up gamification services to them. When I've asked vendors how it works, their answers are, it's behavioral marketing. You incentivize people to take action. And if they gamify the experience, it'll be more engaging. And if it's more engaging, then people will execute on this call to action. But it's actually a bit more complicated than that. And you've done the research and you have the skinny on what works, what doesn't, why, and when. So I'm very excited for this conversation. First of all, You started from a conceptual framework that has to do with how humans process behavior and these two systems, the cognitive system and the affective system. Each system has different
1: characteristics. Can you take us through them starting with the cognitive system? Thank you. Yeah, this is true. So what we need to understand about the cognitive system, which is also called system two. So we have these two systems and this is system two. It's controlled and it's conscious. So we are deliberately thinking about stuff And then we are making a rational and analytic decision based on facts and information which we gather. And if you think about this, this takes a lot of time to gather all the information, process it, weigh it to get to the sort of right decision. So this system operates rather slowly, we would say.
0: Okay. And and it also, so it's high effort, it's rational, it's analytic. Do we also have any sort of limit? because it's dealing with this working memory so it's slow is it just that is that the time binding or is it is it you can't process everything
1: yeah yes okay. yeah exactly yeah we have this we have what we call working memory capacity and this is limited so in our working memory which is sort of like the short-term memory we have a limited capacity to keep and process information i would like to illustrate this by a very Easy example, imagine you need to remember a phone number just long enough to type it into your phone. This will occupy your working memory capacity. And if at the same moment someone interrupts you with another piece of information, you will very likely have difficulties to remember the phone number correctly because now your working memory capacity has reached its end and you cannot process any more information at the same time. That is such a perfect example. And I am the worst with that. So that is awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for that. You.
0: <laughs> so what would be a cognitive system consumer outcome? What would, right.
1: yes. what would that um, be? That would be something that like consumer learning and what is consumer learning? It is that we can either recall or recognize stuff afterwards. Recall requires that consumers retrieve information from a brand or product from memory. Whereas recognition requires that consumers can correctly distinguish brand information or product information which they have seen before. So this is usually what we have at the point of sale. If you think about you saw an ad on TV, for example, and then you go into the shop at the point of sale, you have to recognize the brand from the ad again standing on the shelf.
0: Right. So it would be, it would be, if we were measuring it, it's about recognition and this would be around the location, the sales, brand attributes, things like that.
1: Yes, this could be around the location. And this is, it's usually, if we talk about recognition, it's about brand attributes or product attributes. So we, we recognize something which we have seen before and we might not be able to, to recall it. This is sort of the difference. We might not be able to say the name from memory of the brand, but when we see it, we will say, Oh, yes. I saw this print before, on this and that at. I see. Okay. Now let's
0: switch over to the effective system. Could you just take us through what that is?
1: Yeah, this is sort of the, the opposite. So this is system one, as we would call it. And this is automatic and it's unconscious. So we don't deliberately think about what we're doing. It's driven by intuition, instincts or heuristics. And with that, it doesn't need any of the working memory capacity. It's just, it's just a quick decision. And this is, this sort of the, the nice part about it. It takes a lot of pressure from us. of capacity because we can just make this quick decision based on something we experienced before or some rule we learned before
0: so a measure of this if we're thinking in a marketing context would be purchase intention that's how you might measure it
1: yes exactly it could be something like purchase intention consumer preferences consumer demand but also something like brand liking so how how much do i like a brand how positive or negative is the brand for me yes
0: okay great so thinking about cognitive processes that system too, the way people determine relevance because if we can only hold so much that becomes important and that's linked to emotion so can you unpack how that process works
1: yes this is a little bit more complicated our brain selects what is processed because we have this limited working memory capacity which i mentioned before So there is a bottleneck. Just imagine all the information around us in our environment. It will hit our senses. So it will hit our eyes and ears and so on. But only very little of this information actually gets through the bottleneck into our working memory and is processed. So the answer is how do we... Or rather, how does our brain decide what is relevant to be processed? And what we know from research is that the relevance of a stimulus depends on its emotional content. A highly emotional stimulus, and this could be something like a picture of a dear friend, of your girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse, whatsoever, this signals the opportunity for personal well being. And personal well being is most important to us all. So so this is why we focus on emotional rather than non-emotional stimuli and this is why emotional stimuli they will get most of our attention. So if we think back
0: to the your phone number example from the yeah. top
1: yeah. if
0: is this why if my husband interrupts me I'm more liable to lose the thread than if some stranger were to be yabbering on the side is that partly because I'm emotionally more engaged with the one than the other.
1: Yes, exactly. So if if some stranger would interrupt you who might not be important to you who has no emotional connections to you, maybe you will just blend him or her out and your husband, yes, he should be emotional should. to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so this emotional bias
0: has characteristics that are relevant for your work and your study. What would be so it's not only that I'm going to orient my attention towards emotional stimuli but once I've oriented it that way, it, it's hard to move it, right?
1: Exactly. Yes. So what what we see is that this emotional or attentional bias, sort of the bias who grabs our attention. It has two characteristics. Um, The first one is what I just mentioned, that we focus our attention on the emotional stimuli instead of the non-emotional stimuli. So if we're thinking about marketing communication, attention will be on emotional stimuli. For example, the smiling baby in the ad instead Mm -hmm. of the brand and its product or product information. And, And this is difficulty. Difficult if we think about something like gamification. Mm. Which is an emotional stimulus. Um, well, okay. So here's a question. Yeah. So why
0: why is gamification in an emotional stimulus?
1: Ah, oh, right. Yes. Yeah, sorry, I went too quick over that. You're quite right. We need to define gamification or rather game elements as emotional stimuli. Why? Because they elicit enjoyment, which is a positive emotion. So okay. game elements will trigger this attentional bias. Yes. Thanks. Thank you for interrupting me. And this is <laughs> really important to, to grab this. Something which elicits something positive, a positive emotion, a positive effect inside us, this is an emotional stimulus. And this is what happens when we play games or engage with game elements. So it's because I've sometimes heard people say
0: that it's human behavior to want to solve problems. Now, is that because it's enjoyable to solve problems or it's enjoyable to play a game? Is it a separate thing that's going on there? Oh, um it's okay. I mean, I, I, this is a throwing you a curveball question. Sometimes when talking to marketers about how to grab attention in the feed of a social media post, one of the things that they will say is to phrase things like, guess which thing is going to happen? And so it's almost like a, a, a quiz, which isn't necessarily like a game. But it's, it's well, it it's, does count, yes. Okay. Uh, so yes, so it's course. and then so it's so the function in any brain teaser is is the enjoyment one gets from the process of solving a problem, yeah. engaging in something. So that's yes. that's why it's an enjoyment
1: piece. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah, I never thought about this before and, and it, it took me some time right now to, to think about it, but you're quite right. So if if we have something like a teaser, we want to prep the attention. And this Should be done as we just heard with the bias, but by using emotional stimuli. So, something like a quiz, which is a game element, would be perfect. Yeah. Okay. So, that's good. So, it's
0: not a because I was wondering, is this a separate thing or is this actually folds into the emotion? So, that's good to know. No,
1: thank you very much. I never thought about (laughs) it before. (laughs) But if we also think about that
0: second piece that you said, that it's hard to then remove your attention from the emotional stimuli to something else. paradoxically, I've increased engagement. I've got you here, but then I might not catch the knowledge you're trying to import. Is that right? Because I've, because I'm focused on having fun. I'm focused on the quiz. I'm not necessarily focused on what the content of the quiz is.
1: Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I get engaged with the fun and enjoyment part, and I will just neglect all the non-emotional, not so fun part. And this is really a problem when we think about marketing communication. It is so hard to get consumers to pay attention to the brand or the product information after they saw this emotional thing like the smiling baby in the. So this is this is the tricky part where, where we should be sort of cautious how much emotional stimuli we really want to use and in which situation. Right. So you developed
0: several hypotheses around this and you put them to the test. and so let's walk through them and talk about what you found first. Gamification decreases consumers' attention to product information which explains mm-hmm. the effect of gamification on cognitive outcome variables. Remember, we had said those were the the learning, the mm-hmm. recognition things, the recall and recognition, attitudinal variables, preferences and purchase intent. What did you
1: find? Yeah, so I will start with the cognitive outcomes, and in our case, this was a said, product information recognition. So, how much product information did our participants recognize afterwards? And what we see is that gamification actually negatively affects this recognition rate. So, if we have a group and they have this website, for example, which is gamified, they will recognize less product information afterwards compared to a control group which has a website without gamification elements
0: so oh, did yeah. it balance itself out in terms of you got more engagement but they were less engaged so you netted out having the same level of engagement as if you hadn't had a game at all compared or, or was actually or is it worse that that you have a site which maybe you have less engagement on the site but they did remember more and so you netted out with a net positive where did it shake out yeah
1: yeah, so this is this is really interesting. So we looked at attention and whether it got reduced by gamification, and we looked at enjoyment and whether it got increased due to gamification. And what we see is that when we look at recognition, there's only this negative process via reduced attention, so gamification reduces attention, and then this reduces. Reduced attention leads to the fact that we recognize less of the product information. And there's no significant effect, no significant effect of enjoyment on recognition. So this positive enjoyment, the positive emotion, it plays no role with regard to recognition, but it plays a role for purchase intention. Mm. So when we look at the attitudinal variables, we have this these two processes, the reduced attention at the that the cognitive level and the increased enjoyment at the affect level and they, those processes they operate in parallel and then they cancel each other out and this is why oh. we see no main effect directly from gamification onto purchase intention because we have both of these processes if we if we might be able to increase enjoyment a little more Compared to the reduced attention, maybe we would get a positive result. And the same, of course, with attention. If we reduce attention even more, then we might get a negative result. But in our study, it just canceled each other out. I would think I mean that makes sense actually because the more enjoyment I'm getting the
0: more emotionally engaged I am the less I'm going to be able to be pulled away to these other variables it seems like it would be an yeah. arms race of you know it it it's just a wash ultimately Exactly so so I guess The question as a a marketer listening to this is, oh, so there are any ways to dampen these negative effects?
1: Yeah, yes, there are at least two which we found. And so we identified two strategies to reduce this negative effect. The one was called meaningful game elements. So we just called this. What does it mean? It means that the content of the game element is relevant to the brand or the product. So if I give you an example, this makes it easy. Imagine a soft drink company, uh, and this company could implement a game element where consumers have to catch flying objects on the website. Now these objects could be non-meaningful, so not relevant to the brand. So just imagine there might be gems flying around, which should be irrelevant to a soft drink company. Mm -hmm. Um, On the other side, these objects could be meaningful to the brand, so just imagine these objects might look like bottle caps from the different soft drink products the brand sells. And in this case, we would deliver brand or product information within this game. And then consumers playing this game, catching those bottle caps, they would learn about the different soft drink products because they're catching those different bottle caps. So this would be meaningful gamification. And this actually reduces the negative effect.
0: Well, that's interesting. So simply making it A bottle cap, which is Mm -hmm. is event to what the brand is, but it isn't relevant to the information you want to deliver. I mean, sort of, it's it's your threshold of relevance that's kind of interesting there. As long as it associates with the brand, what the brand is, that's sufficient. Exactly correct. So yeah, so if I'm a pizza company and I design you know sprinkle toppings, (laughs) as long as it's relevant, that is enough relevance.
1: Toppings yes. and a pizza.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Yes. And, and. Disclosure was your other way of doing, of, exactly of
1: revealing that, this. That was the second strategy we found. Disclosure of the fact that gamification actually reduces attention. So if we give consumers this information that the game elements might distract them from the information about the brand or its product, this actually helps to reduce the negative effect of gamification. I can imagine
0: in a real world, as we just discussed, the bottle caps, the pizza, I can imagine that. I cannot imagine a real world example of disclosure.
1: What would that look like? Oh, right. What we did was we used a website and on this website, on the landing page of the website, so when you opened it, there was like a pop-up window. Mm -hmm. And within this pop-up window, we put a notice telling people that we use game elements on this website, which can distract from the hotel information on the website. And they should try not to be distracted because people who focus too much on these game elements are less likely to remember the actual content. So this is what, what we did, trying to be as real life as possible within our research.
0: hmm I yeah, I just I if I'm a hotel company, I'm thinking, ooh, that makes it feel like work. <laughs> you
1: know? Yes. And, yeah. and it
0: feels like school. It feels like an instruction. And I, I can see making it relevant, like the the game design, the meaningful. How yeah. would you make it in your example, your hotel example? Because this is an audio conversation, people can't read the paper where you describe it. Can you just describe how you made the hotel gamification? How did you do that relevantly?
1: Right. So what we did was we created a fictitious website of a fictitious hotel and within the gamification groups, we added three game elements. And the first game element was a find the difference game. So participants had to find five differences between two pairs of photos of a bedroom and a bathroom. And these differences were either unrelated to the room features described in the text on the website. So, for example, it was a polar bear looking out of the closet or they reflected the features described in the text like the bathrobe in the bathroom. Mm. The second game element was memory games. So participants had to find matching pairs of photos and in the non-meaningful, so not relevant condition, it was just the same photos of employees they had to find. Whereas in the meaningful condition, again, we reflected the features from the text on the web side So they had to find the employee um, to its working area, like the bartender, and then the hotel signature cocktail, which we called Pink Paloma. So everything which was written in the text was reflected within the games. And The third one was, a I guess, the content game, really, where we had two hidden pictures and participants had to uncover them piece by piece and guess what was on the picture. And again, we used sort of irrelevant information like a flower picture picture. picture and a water picture and relevant information. It was was on the spa side of the website with the colored lights, sauna and a Scottish massage picture. So again, the content was reflected in the game.
0: Interesting. Did you find that game design and disclosure worked equally well or did one work better than the other?
1: Mm, Right. The the game design, the meaningful game elements, they worked a little bit better because they actually reversed the negative effect. Whereas within the disclosure condition, we could make the negative effect disappear, but it had no positive effect. So this was not better than no gamification. Whereas with the game design, we actually could reach values, recognition values, which were better than no gamification at all. So if we use meaningful, relevant gamification, this was actually the best. Ah,
0: so there you go. We wouldn't even need to do the disclosure because it didn't really make much difference anyway. Yeah, if you have to (laughs) choose,
1: choose maybe more the meaningful game elements and the relevance, yeah, the the game design, yeah. So if I'm a marketer and I'm looking at
0: gamification, when should I lean into gamification and when should I give it a pass? When is it most, I mean, when does it work best?
1: Yes, very, very important question. The the use of gamification should really depend on the company objective. So if your objective is to increase cognitive outcomes, managers should probably not use gamification due to the negative effects, unless they take certain measures, like warning about the distraction potential or linking the game elements with relevant information. However, if the objective is that managers want to get stronger, effective consumer outcomes, like brand engagement, customer enjoyment, brand liking, purchase intention, and so on, then they can actually use gamification to create this positive mood, this enjoyment, and consumers will enjoy engaging with this brand. And in this case, something like recognition or recall should not be so important. So we can neglect the negative effects due to reduced attention. Interesting. So, really, if we're thinking about
0: the funnel and where we are in the funnel, that's Mm -hmm. how you want to deploy your gamification. Was that right?
1: Yes. Yeah, I would agree.
0: And then, when we're talking about meaningful elements, and and you probably, you may not have studied this, so feel free to say, I'm just guessing. I'm not, this isn't researched if this is the case. Do you think some games were more effective than others? If I'm looking at gamification and I'm thinking about it, are there any kinds of things I should be baking into my thinking? I'm trying to build purchase intention down, down the line. I want to have brand affinity happening. If I'm looking at a choice of types of games, yeah. What should I lean into certain kind of ch- type?
1: Yeah, very very important question. And yes, I am just guessing now because we did not study it, but we are pretty sure that there are differences between different game elements or games which we could use. There's a huge variety. I mean, there's something like leaderboards, which count as game element, and we have something like those guess the content of pictures or find similarities or differences so it's a it's a huge variety right. and, or and spinners sh- or not yes these like or spinners catchy. exactly yes and they they what is important is that they should elicit enjoyment if if you want that consumers engage with your brand and like the brand and experience these positive emotions. So this is the main aspect, really. Whatever you choose should create enjoyment. And the good thing is you can measure enjoyment. There's actually, there's scales. We developed one, two, to measure gamification experiences. And one aspect within these scales and measures is enjoyment. So you can just. Try to think what game elements could I use, and then measure how much enjoyment they would elicit. Okay, and that's something.
0: I mean, it, again, I'm a, a cash-strapped marketer, but I can imagine saying to the company who's trying to sell me this gamification: Have you have you tested the enjoyment on these different things, and which might be yes. better? And and so the other question I had, I I'm so surprised that just simply making it bottle caps makes a difference. I have to say that's enough relevance. Is there, do you believe again, this isn't something you studied, but just with your knowledge background, just simply having it related to a brand versus integrating it into aspects of the brand or band attributes. Do you think the attribute integration would be more powerful? Then simply okay. So
1: I I would I mean it's just a guess again because we haven't studied it, but I would say yes, the more the more information you link with the game elements, the more consumers will learn while playing the game. And the more they'll go on board because they don't feel it. It's just it's just in there.
0: Fantastic. This is so interesting. And gamification is such a hot topic right now. Thank you so much for joining me in conversation and really unpacking how it works. Really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me here today. I really enjoyed our conversation. And may I also say thank you to my co-authors, On this paper, Renee Eppmann, Christina Klein and Franziska Falkner, when we created this work together.
0: We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Norton, the voice stars who recorded our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.